Coming up on the Sark Fighter podcast, Christy Hedge is just learning about sarcoidosis and she has it in multiple organs. Skin, lymph nodes, lungs, spleen, liver, and eyes. Christy is just now revealing her condition here on the Sark Fighter podcast. This is actually very out of my comfort zone. Um, Very few people know about my diagnosis. If you're among the many just learning about sarcoidosis, or perhaps if you have suffered for a long time, either way, you'll find Christy's journey a story worth listening to. This is the Sark Fighter Podcast, living with sarcoidosis and other rare diseases. Here's your host, John Carlin. Hello and welcome. This is episode 67 of the Sark Fighter podcast, brought to you in part by a grant from A-Tire Pharma. I'm your host, John Carlin. I do this podcast to offer my fellow Sark Fighters hope and to help you connect with other Sark patients to hear their stories and understand how sarcoidosis affects their lives. And hopefully it helps you understand what you're up against and what you need to overcome, whether it's the disease, the effects of the medicine, or both, or the mental issues that come with dealing with all of that. We talk about all of it here on the podcast. Now, I got to tell you that I'm actually coming off a high from the weekend, and I'm more optimistic than I have ever been in terms of the battle to overcome sarcoidosis, not just for me, but for the entire sarcoidosis community, for you because of the annual FSR Summit, which happened over the weekend. Of course, the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research every year has a summit where they invite patients, they invite speakers, they invite the pharma companies, anybody that has a touch point with sarcoidosis uh, and has a role in, in, in either dealing with the disease or fighting the disease or looking for new ways to battle the disease or helping all of us cope with the the various things that come about as a result of sarcoidosis. All of those people all come together at one point for a weekend, and that's the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research Summit, and that just happened over the past weekend. So there were speakers, there were coffee breaks where, where we could all hang out. Um, there were vendor booths from the many pharma sponsors, as I mentioned. They all had videos that you could watch and explain how their drug will uh, work as projected in the body if and when that therapy completes testing and is approved. And there were um, there were at least a couple of dozen different vendors in the exhibit hall. But again, that's exhibit hall, like, you know, back in the day, pre COVID, we all went to conferences and you went and visited the tables or the booths for all these people. Well, now it's all virtual, but you still have the opportunity to meet these folks, talk with them, hear about what they're working on, watch their videos. And when you're sitting at your computer, you can sort of sit there and watch the video. Uh, You know, if there's a video playing on a TV in the background, it's kind of hard to pay a lot of attention to it. I know that from having been a vendor in a different industry and actually producing some of those videos. So, you know, I know what that's all about. And now you can sit there at home and watch the videos at your leisure and kind of kind of understand it. So anyway, um, FSR was also there. They were talking about the new Global Sarcodos- uh, Sarcodosis Clinic Alliance um, of hospitals, individual providers, 
And that'll make it easier for patients to find the right doctor and then for doctors within this alliance to talk to one another and researchers to uh, you know, move forward and hopefully find a cure. So that's one of the things that has just recently been announced by FSR, and that was that was one of the things that they were talking about. Um, I have neurosarc, as I've told you before, on my spinal cord, and I attended the talk by Dr. Ginny Tavi. She's actually been a guest on this podcast, and I still find herself, I still find her talking about things that I myself, <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me this morning, um, that I myself uh, had not heard before. So I was taking notes and I appreciated her presentation. So, you know, there's just a lot of energy being directed toward finding a cure and, uh, and better treatments for sarcoidosis. And although my particular group did not find a cure, I did have the pleasure and I mean that, of hosting a panel discussion on life hacks for living with sarcoidosis. That was yesterday. I want to thank the panelists who joined me and agreed to share their stories and their secrets to dealing with sarcoidosis, Teresa Govan, Calvin Harris, and Janet McCoviak. And our session followed today's opening remarks from Dr. Louise Perkins, who is the FSR board chair. Now, Teresa is a licensed therapist, and she's had sarcoidosis for 43 years. She has been through it all and talked about that. Her advice, I'm sure, meant a lot to a lot of people. Um, Janet lives in Taos, New Mexico. She's a lifelong skier, and now, thanks to SARC, she's forced to ski with an oxygen tank on her back, but she does it, and she you know, gets around and, and lives her life in a very difficult situation. She talked about some of her life hacks, and Calvin Harris has taken up running and even has a blog called Run Your Own Race, published by Sarcoidosis News, but he talked about how you know, having his lungs clogged with sarcoidosis, and I'm using, that's my description of it, but it makes running even more difficult. And he talked about how, you know, running has really helped him focus, it's helped him cope, and he is training for a marathon. He wants to run the New York Marathon, which is 26.2 miles. And I'll tell you what, that is... um, That's going to be quite an accomplishment for Calvin if he can do that. Um, But anyway, everybody talked about how uh, these various mechanisms uh, help them deal with sarcoidosis. We got into a deep philosophical discussion about, you know, when do we battle the disease and where do we just accept it on its own terms? So is it a fight, because I call it the Sark Fighter podcast, or is it a matter of acceptance, or is it at times both? And we talked uh, talked about all of that. And if you signed up for the conference, you can still see that session and all the presentations through September 30th on the portal that FSR has set up and created to hold the conference, and that'll be in place until September 30th of 2022. Um, I received an email, in fact, this morning from Mindy Buchanan, who does patient support for FSR and was my guest on the previous podcast as we were trying to let you know everything that would happen at the summit. And she said that FSR is doing all the analytics and there had been hundreds of connections made and over 2,000 messages exchanged. And that is, I think that's really important because FSR is the nucleus of the sarcoidosis world. <clears throat> On a day-to-day basis, we're, we're a bunch of voices in the wilderness. There are so few of us. We're so spread out. 
But then there's a mechanism, a reason for all of us to assemble and talk like the summit, and then it becomes real. And I think I think that's what the summit does and did. And there will be another one next year, and there will be other chances for engagement throughout the year to keep that momentum going. But the summit is sort of the, the thing that it's where everybody gathers, and there is no other point in the year where that level of engagement is so high. And But that's how it works. That's what the foundation is supposed to do. And to me, it is an important touch point personally as I work to overcome. And part of the reason I work so hard on this podcast is so that we can all move forward and feel that hope and, and see that progress and take the types of things that we learn at the summit, the people we meet, and the, and the hope we gather from the researchers and so forth to see where they are. And I, I, I just am so, so glad that that summit happened. So now to today's guest, as we try to keep that momentum going, Christy Hedge is the first local person that I have had on the show. She contacted me after she discovered the podcast, and she knew me from my public-facing job. I'm the news anchor for WSLS 10, the NBC here in Roanoke, Virginia, and I've been there for the most part, ever since 1987. So people tend to know me here in the area, and she lives not far away in the New River Valley. It's in the coverage area, uh, and that is home to Virginia Tech, the major university. And she contacted me wanting to know if there are any local support groups, and to my knowledge, there are none. Uh, I wanted to start one and was working with Carillion, our local clinic, and then came the pandemic and everything got shut down. Um, so we, that has not really, uh, that's not really regained any momentum. But Christy also mentioned that she had sarcoidosis in her eyes and she wanted to know if I knew of an ophthalmologist who treated sarc. I told her that I did. And I told her that I recently had had dry eye and she said, well, that can be one of the first symptoms. So that got me concerned. I've since been to a doctor. I talked to him about sarc. He told me not to worry. There's no sign of it in my eyes and gave me some eye drops sent me on my way, but uh, I'll continue to monitor that. But in the meantime, Christy agreed to join me on the podcast and to share her story, which is a good one, as she's just beginning her journey, having been diagnosed less than six months ago, as I record this podcast on August 1st of 2022. And Christy Hedge and her story are coming up next here on the Sark Fighter Podcast. Just feeding that stumbling Hi, I hope you're enjoying the Sark Fighter Podcast. You may be wondering, what can I do to help? How can I be a part of the sarcoidosis solution? It's simple. Make a donation to KISS. Kick in to stop sarcoidosis. 100% of the money goes to the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research. Look for a link in the show notes of the Sark Fighter Podcast. Welcome back to the Sark Fighter Podcast. Joining me now is Christy Hedge, who lives here locally near me in Roanoke, Virginia. And one of the few people I've had on the show that uh, is in my part of the world. Christy, thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having me. So you have sarcoidosis, and uh, how long have you known that you had it? 
Um, I was diagnosed officially March 25th of this year. This year. So it's a brand new case. Yes. Where in your body has it presented? Skin, lymph nodes, lungs, spleen, liver, and eyes so far. Whoa. How did it get so far without you knowing it? Um, you know, I really don't know. It, it started as a skin lesion about two years ago. And I went to a couple of different doctors to have it looked at my PCP and a dermatologist. They looked at it and said there was, you know, nothing to be concerned about, not to worry. Um, but it kept getting worse. And then other symptoms manifested over the next couple of years um, to the point where I was just miserable with dry mouth and cough and all these things. So I went back to my PCP and I had a lymph node in my armpit that was really swollen and sore for several months. And so she just randomly ordered a lot of blood work and a chest x-ray. And the chest x-ray came back with innumerable lung nodules. And that's sort of what set the ball in motion for the diagnosis. Yeah. So did they they do a biopsy on the lymph node or what, what happened? How did they, how did Um, they? I actually had a uh, lung biopsy. Okay. They put the needle down into your lung and pulled out a piece of one of those things. Yes. And they said, lo and behold, that's a non-caseating granuloma. That's what they said. And when I went to see the pulmonologist for the first time, he took one look at the lesion on my neck and said, you need to get that biopsy immediately. That's sarcoidosis. Um, and in the meantime, I had had several other of these lesions, other places, and sure enough, that's what it was. So now how do you know you've got all this involvement in places like your spleen? So I had, um, after the chest x-ray, I had a CT of the chest and these granulomas showed in all of those organs on that CT scan. So what is your walking around health like? right now today? Well, I I realized that it could be a lot worse than what it is, Um, but it has been challenging, especially with the medication that I'm on. Um, It's just, I'm on 40 milligrams a day of prednisone, (laughs) hydroxychloroquine, just, you know, like 14 pills a day. And it just makes you feel terrible. You know, it bloats you up. It makes you feel uh, moody and you can't sleep. It's just really, really a challenge. Yes. Yes. I'm familiar with all of those and and listeners who have had their bout with prednisone, I think also are relating to that and they're nodding their heads wherever they're listening right now. So what is your primary care doctor who's treating sarcoidosis? Is it still a pulmonologist? Is it a rheumatologist? Who is it? Um, Right now it's a pulmonologist. From what I understand, so the next step is to sort of start weaning off of the prednisone at some point and start another drug such as methotrexate or azathioprine. And at that time, I'm told I'll be referred to rheumatology to sort of manage that. And you'll be working through Carillion here in Roanoke, which is our medical center? Correct. Yes. And you actually work for them. I do. Yes. So what is your job description with the, with the health? I guess it's Carillion Clinic. 
is the it's I it's not a hospital, it's a clinic because they've guys got yes. all kinds yes. of buildings all over the place. Yes, I work for Carillion Clinic in the New River Valley. I'm a supervisor at uh, one of the OBGYN offices. So you're in healthcare and you've got this rare disease. Is there any discussion of that around the office or do you just keep it close? Obviously, you're going on the podcast, so you're willing to talk about it. Right. I, this is actually very out of my comfort zone. Um, very few people know about my diagnosis. Um, my boss obviously knows because I've had a million and one doctor appointments in the last three months. Um, and my family knows. But uh, outside of that, I haven't really talked about it much. Um, but the cat's about to be out of the bag, I guess. <laughs> well, I, I guess it is. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on and share your story. Of course. Sarcoidosis is what they call the snowflake disease, and it affects every one of us differently. Uh, and it has varying degrees of impact on our lives. And, and one of the stories that I've heard from many people here on the podcast is, is how dealing with the medications is often just as bad as dealing with the sarcoidosis. I would absolutely agree with that. hundred percent. Your doctor probably is saying something along the lines of, if, if it follows the pattern that I'm familiar with, uh, we're going to put you on a heavy dose of prednisone until we can quote unquote control it. And then we are going to keep it controlled with drugs like azathioprine or azathioprine and methotrexate. Is, is that pretty much what they're telling That's you? Correct. Yes. That's exactly right. what they're telling me. Right. Are they, how concerned are they with the organ involvement that goes beyond your lungs? Um, they really haven't said a lot about that other than we'll just monitor it with um, more testing. I have to have a CT scan every three to six months to monitor if the prednisone is working. And um, so I'm told that on the next CT scan, if there's improvement, maybe we can start um, weaning off the prednisone. If not, we'll have to quote, hit it harder. I'm not sure what that means yet, but we will see. Okay. Have you thought about signing up for any clinical trials? I have thought about it. I've actually looked into a few, but most of the ones I've looked into, you have to have been diagnosed and on prednisone or whatever drug for a year. And I'm not quite there yet. Um, but it's definitely something that I would consider. You know, there are there are multiple. In fact, I, I I keep hearing because I'm associated with the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research. I keep hearing that there are new and promising clinic tri clinical trials that will be announced soon. Nice. And I don't know if they focus on pulmonary or where they focus, but typically that's where everything starts is pulmonary, since most SARC patients have pulmonary. So I mean, is there any? I don't even know what you feel like if you have sarcoidosis on your spleen. Has it stopped any any spleen activity or anything like that? Um, no. And honestly, I don't think I would have known even that it was in my lungs. I really, other than a, a chronic cough, I didn't really, I have asthma, um, but I hadn't noticed any great difference in my asthma, just normal things, you know, my I, normal for me. Um, so I don't know if we had not done the chest x-ray, if I would have ever known 
there was lung involvement or any other organ other than the skin. How's your fatigue been? Horrible. Horrible. Yeah. Yeah. There, when I first started the prednisone, I had like a huge burst of energy for a few weeks and that now has kind of subsided. Um, I have a lot of days where I just feel super foggy. Um, like I can't quite get myself going and I'm exhausted all day long, but then and when nighttime comes, I'm wide awake and I can't sleep. So it's kind of a vicious cycle. Mm-hmm. Have you gained weight? Oh, yes. Yes, I have. Um, about 20 pounds in three months uh, from the prednisone. That's no fun, is it? No, it's really not. It, it's not. It's not fun at all. It really affects you emotionally in that way too, because you don't feel like yourself anyway, and then you don't look like yourself. Um, so it's, that's been hard. And again, people don't know you're sick, so they just think you're getting fat. <laughs> I, you and I had never met prior to today, other than you reached out to me after having listened to some episodes. And so I don't know what you looked like pre prednisone, but even when you're not gaining a, a ton of weight, your face still gets fat. They call it moon face. Yes. So am I looking at the moon face version of you right now? You sure are. Yes. Wow. Yes. I, I took um, some before pictures because I was expecting this. Um, and the difference between three months ago and today is unbelievable. Just my face alone. Um, so yeah, it's not fun. <laughs> wow. Wow. And I, I, I feel your pain and, and listeners know that I've, I've also been there. So I, I can really relate. Um, and they, they had the same type of situation where after a flare, they said, Oh, we have to hit it hard. And then when they hit it hard, it was twice as bad as it was the first go around. And uh, yes. I, I really am hoping that that doesn't happen to you. What is your life like on a day-to-day basis. You live in Floyd, which is a beautiful community in the mountains, just outside of the city of Roanoke in Western Virginia. A lot of active people up there. A lot of, there's just a lot going on in Floyd. And I'm suspecting if you live there, that that's somewhat your lifestyle. It is. Um, I love to be outside. I like to um, kind of work in the yard and things like that. I have a lot of hobbies like refinishing furniture on the side just for fun and um, things like that. This has slowed me down somewhat. Um, When it's hot outside, I have a hard time breathing. And so I can't be outside as much as I'd like to. And of course, being active in the heat is difficult when you can't breathe. Um, But I'm trying to keep things as normal as possible. You're still working every day? I am still working every day. Yes. And do you work from home or do you drive to work? I drive to work. I have about a 30 minute drive to work every morning. Um, and I work full time in the clinic, um, five days a week. Good. And you've been able to do that right on through all of this. I have, there's been a couple of days when I've thought, you know, I'm not going to make it today, but so far I have not missed any work, which I'm very proud of. Um, And hopefully I can just continue that. Got it. Got it. So March and now it's June. So it's really, yeah, like three, four months, right? March, 
April, yeah, May, so right June, at yeah. three months. Right. Um, what is your mindset right now as you are learning more about what you're up against? You know, that's a hard one because it's, it's scary. Um, you don't know what is coming in the future. And um, when I first was diagnosed, I thought, okay, this is okay. I was still feeling pretty good. Um, and so I thought it's okay. There's not going to be much difference. I'm going to just take the medicine and get through this. And of course, as I've started to feel worse on the medication, there are some days when, you know, you feel like, wow, can I do this? Um, it, it's hard. Um, so I'm just trying to really stay positive and look at it like it could be so much worse. I know there are many people that have, have this disease way worse than I do. And um, I'm just going to try to just keep going and keep things as normal as possible um, for as long as I can. When they said the word sarcoidosis, did you have any idea what it was? I did not. I did not have a clue. Um, and in fact, when I first got the call about the chest x-ray, the first thing they said was it could possibly be lymphoma, which was really scary. So when they said sarcoidosis, I thought, oh, great. That's great. That's not cancer. Um, and I'm still thankful for that. Um, but I did not realize at that time how involved that diagnosis really was and what that really meant. So a new patient comes into this. How do you, what did you do? How did you go about finding information? I know eventually it led to you finding the podcast, but where did you dig in? What did, what were you looking for? What did you find? Um, I jumped into Google first and foremost, and um, found a lot of information there, which eventually led me to the um, Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research, where I found a lot of great information. Um, and that's where I found your podcast, actually. Um, and there's a lot of great information on the Cleveland Clinic site. Um, and so I've, I've just poured over everything really I could get my hands on to find out as much information as possible. And as a new patient who might be somewhat fearful about what you're facing, I'm just curious, when you listen to some of the stories that other people have told here on the podcast, does it make you worry more or worry less? Or does it just give you some comfort in knowing what's going on with people or just having some understanding? Honestly, I think a little bit of all of that. Um, it gives me hope and encouragement that other people are dealing with the same thing and they're living their lives. It's also a little scary because you don't know what might happen down the road. Um, and then, you know, it also makes you feel thankful that maybe you don't have some of the manifestations that others are dealing with and you're able to get up and go to work every day. That's means a lot to me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Have your doctors said anything to you about it? Maybe just going away on its own? No, they haven't. Um, since my sarcoidosis is systemic, it's likely going to be chronic. Um, and I mean, I guess there's a possibility it could go away, but they have not alluded to that in any way. Right. 
Right. Are you getting any inside scoop because you work in a healthcare system? Not really. No. <laughs> no. Do you, how many? Do you know how many cases? Because I mean, Floyd is a rural area, and the New River Valley where you work, which is basically driven economically by Virginia Tech University, right? Yes. yes. Um, so it is a small-ish college community. I mean, how many SARC patients does your doctor even have? Do you know? I really don't have a clue. Um, my doctor actually is a member of WASOG, um, which is um, it's sarcoidosis related. I can't remember what it stands for at the moment, but he has a relationship with Dr. Bauman at um, the Cincinnati sarcoidosis clinic. Right. Um, so he does know, I think, more about sarcoidosis than most doctors do. Um, but as far as how many patients he has, I'm not sure. Yeah. Dr. Bauman is probably the leading authority in the United States. That's what I understand. Yes. So if your doctor's talking with him, then that's fantastic. Yes. That did make me feel very confident in his right. abilities. Right. It is Boffman. I'm sorry. Um, B-A-U-F-M-A-N. I'm pretty sure I've got that right. I'm doing it from memory and I'm going to make a mistake. Um, but he, he's the guy at Cincinnati. And then um, there, there are several others who are also in that league. Um, and so you'll, you'll be hearing those names if you stick around the uh, Sarcoidosis Foundation or the Sarcoidosis community for very long. Uh, so, um, are you married? Do you have kids? What is your, what is your personal I life? I am. I'm married. Um, my husband and I have four daughters. They're all grown. Three are married. Um, and yeah, we're empty nesters, recent empty nesters. So that's been fun. <laughs> yeah, it is fun, isn't it? <laughs> it is. <laughs> yeah. I kind of like it. You have no grandkids yet? We have two grandchildren. Um, we have a little grandson who's four, getting ready to turn four, and a granddaughter who just turned one. Got it. And do they live locally? They do. They live in Roanoke. All right. And what do they call you? They call me Queenie. 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 Not Mama. Absolutely. <laughs> not Nana. <laughs> Queenie. Queenie. I love it. So. Queenie, can I have some more milk, please? Something like that. Of course. And they can have whatever they want. <laughs> of course they can. Of course. I have six grandkids and a seventh on the way. That's and, awesome. But I am Papa. That's just that's just the way it went. Because, you know, the old pizza, I'm John. So the Papa John, everybody thought that was hilarious. Yeah. I thought, come on, let's be more original. But I'm Papa John. Well, um, my husband is actually Papa as well. So. Okay. <laughs> so you got Papa and Queenie. Yes. How did you get to Queenie? Well, my parents used to call me that when I was young because um, I could be a little diva at times. <laughs> <laughs> and so it just kind of stuck. And I didn't want like a traditional grandma name. So we just went with that. Well, good for you. <laughs> that, that I like that one. That's 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 perfect. Queenie. And the grandkids will never know anything else. Uh, you'll just always be Queenie. That's right. <laughs> right. Well, that's awesome. Um, so uh, 
when the when the family comes, are, are they talking about this? Are they concerned, or do they just think that uh, Queenie has some kind of rare illness and she's taking some medicine and she'll get over it? I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I think they're concerned, but I also don't think many people know much about sarcoidosis and they don't really understand it. And even as a patient, I feel it's difficult to explain um, exactly what it is and how it affects you. And of course, you know, you look fine. So you don't look sick. So everything's fine. (laughs) All right. Except you're getting fat. Except I'm getting fat. (laughs) Everybody thinks you're lazy and sitting on your butt and you're still working and it's it's harder and harder every day just to do normal things, right? Yes, absolutely. Do you take a few more naps than you used to? Um, I've never really been much of a nap person, Uh so I don't really take a lot of naps. Plus, I feel like if I always tell myself if I take a nap, it's just going to make the insomnia worse later. So I try to just power through. No, you're stronger than me. I I got to a point where if I passed a couch, I just had to get close my eyes for 10 minutes or 15 minutes. Just, to, <laughs> just one of those little power naps just to just to push through it. Um, so yeah, I'm curious then, uh, did you have, you're old enough to be postmenopausal, I would assume. Yes. So you, you're familiar with hot flashes. I mean, that's that comes with menopause. But before diagnosis or even now, did you just occasionally have hot flashes that could not be explained? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm still having those. Um, they just hit you right out of the blue, especially at night. Um, and it, it feels like someone has lit you on fire from the inside. It's horrible. And did you share that symptom with your doctor or did they ask you that? Um, I did. I had actually made a list of all of my symptoms because there were so many. And I was afraid when I went in to see the doctor, I would forget something. And all of the symptoms separately didn't really seem like a big deal. But when I looked at them all on paper together, I was like, man, something is going on. This is not right. What Um, else was on that paper? Do you remember? Um, difficulty swallowing, extreme dry mouth, extreme dry eyes, um, shortness of breath. Um, there are so many symptoms. The, the skin lesions, extreme joint pain, fatigue, mm-hmm. brain fog, and the list goes on. Um, it was just a lot of things all together. And those will sound familiar to people. Yeah. How many, how many episodes have you listened to? Have you, have you had I've listened to all of them? Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so, you, so you're not surprised when I tell you that other people have had these situations. Right. Yeah. Wow. What is next for you? What is your doctor saying? How long do you stay on 40 milligrams? When will they test you again? Um, I'm actually waiting on results from a new CT right now. Um, He's told me from the beginning that the 40 milligrams could be anywhere from six months to two years, just depending on how we progress. Um, So I'm hopeful and optimistic that the CT will show improvement and we can start weaning off of the prednisone, but I'm also 
realistically knowing that it's probably too soon. Mm -hmm. And how long will it take them to wean you off of the prednisone? Um, He hasn't really indicated just yet how quickly we'll do that. Um, I hope it's pretty fast because I'm ready to get off of it already. Have you had any uh, trouble having a hair trigger with your coworkers? Um, coworkers, husband. Um, yeah. And that's the shock. I'm usually a very easygoing, very laid back person. And sometimes things come out of my mouth and I'm like, Whoa, where did that come from? Right. (laughs) Put that back. (laughs) Right. Right. They called me honest John at the TV station because I would just tell people what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. My filter just went away. Right. And that's not me. Usually I usually can contain myself pretty well, but, um, prednisone is the truth serum. (laughs) Right. Isn't it awful? (laughs) It's terrible. I guess everybody knows what you think. Yes. (laughs) Well, all right. Christy, is there anything else that you want to add to your story or anything else you want to talk about? Um, no, I just, I, I hope that, um, other people that are in the same situation as we are, um, just find some encouragement, something to look forward to and enjoy what quality of life you do have. Mm-hmm. Are you doubling down, like noticing little things now, stopping to smell the roses as it were? For sure. Yes. Absolutely. It's easy to take things for granted. And, you know, when you're faced with a lifelong illness, you start to really think about, you know, how fortunate you are and all the things that you need to be thankful for. Yeah, for sure. I like if you listen to my last podcast, I can sit on my deck and listen to the birds sing, which even as an outdoors person my whole life, I, I never just stopped to listen to the birds and Now I do it almost every morning. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, thank you for joining me here on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I feel like a zombie Just feeding and stumbling Thank you very much to Christy for sharing her story and I wish her all the best as she embarks on her journey. A reminder, the official Sark Fighter song is Zombie by Mark Steyer and his band, the White Hot Lizards. Hear Mark's story, the story behind the lyrics in episode 12. He's a fellow Sark Fighter. If you're new here and just trying to figure out what Sark is, try listening to episode 2 with Dr. Simon Hart, one of my most listened to episodes. My story is episode 1. The backstory to the founding for the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research is episode 11 with Andrea and Redding Wilson. Andrea is a fellow Sark fighter. Please send me an email. It's in the show notes, carlinagency at gmail.com. Follow Sark fighter on social media. Just search uh, for Sark fighter on Instagram, in on Facebook. If you have a Peloton, you can follow or friend me as well. Search for Sark Fighter, all one word. If you're a cyclist, I'm on Strava as John Carlin, and I appreciate your interest in the Sark Fighter podcast. It helps me reach more people and grow the show if you share it on your social media. And if you like it, just tell one person. I would appreciate that. Just tell one person, hey, I found the Sark Fighter podcast. You should listen to it too. Give it a nice review. 
you wherever you get your podcasts. And thanks again to Christy Hedge for joining me. Christy, I hope everything turns out great for you and that your team finds the right combination of therapies to keep you going and living your best life. Folks, until next time, keep fighting. Trying to keep up the pace Dead men walking